Thank you. I forgot all about Children's Church. If you are eight years old and younger, you are dismissed for Children's Church. Thank y'all. I always forget about that part. Oh, Stacy. Somebody lay hands on that girl. Amen. Something about the fruit at the grocery store. Now, here's one thing I've noticed. There's a difference in the produce department at Foodland and the produce department at Super Walmart. Uh, in the Super Walmart, they got all kind of crazy fruit. Amen? They got some really weird-looking fruit. Fruit that I don't think I would ever try just because it looks so funny. There's one fruit that actually looks like a plastic star. I don't think I would ever try that fruit. Um, there are these huge green banana-looking things that are called plantains or plantains. They don't look very good either, and I don't think I would ever try one of them. I picked up a few fruit, and does anybody know what that is? What is it? Huh? That is called a Maradol papaya. And it don't look good, and I don't think I would ever try it. This is called, anybody know what that is? That is called an Altolfo mango, and it's real mushy, and I don't think I'll try that one either. It's hard trying new foods, especially if it don't look good. Anybody ever seen these? These are mini bananas, and if Madison was here, she would say, Oh, how cute! And, but I'm not going to try one of these either, but Byron will. Titus will. Who else will try one? Come get it. I can't throw it that far. I'll get in trouble. I've been known to throw stuff, but... <laughs> I threw a life ring at Brenda one time. All right, taste it and tell me how it tastes, you guys. Mini bananas. I didn't even know they had mini bananas. Did y'all? Did you? I guess I'm living under a rock. Does it really? Does it taste like a mini banana, though? How is it? Like a banana? Well, good. I probably would have tried one of those. But there's another fruit, so I'm told. Uh, it's a tomato. Now, any of you who know me know that I don't like tomatoes. There's something about the way they smell. Uh, there's something about the way they look inside that just doesn't appeal to me. And so I don't even know when the last time I've tried a tomato. I found another one. I'm sure many of you know what that is. That's a kiwi, and that's probably the ugliest looking fruit I've ever seen in my life. But I did make myself try one of these, and uh, it was actually pretty good. Um, but most times, if it don't look good, it ain't going in here. Amen? It's got to look good first. Uh, have you ever looked at something and knew it was going to taste bad? Amen? A lot of things aren't too pretty, but if you try it, you just might like it. I like grapes, but some grapes are really, really sour and some are really, really sweet. 
Now, today I'm going to talk to you about a fruit of the Spirit that may be one of those fruits that's not too appealing to you. It may not sound real good. It's not beautifully colored. Uh, it doesn't smell that great. But if you'll take that first bite, you may find that it may be a fruit that you'll want more of in your life. Uh, some of these fruits, you know, we just don't know what to take. Uh, we don't know what to expect. And so it's difficult to try that first bite. But today, I pray that you will try this fruit of the Spirit the Bible calls gentleness. Maybe you'll want more of it in your life too. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2 where the Apostle Paul writes to his young protege in the faith in verse 24 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. And he says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. That sounds like a pretty strong command, and being that it's a command from the Apostle Paul, from the Holy Spirit, to us, then I think we need to know what gentle means. He goes on to say, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps would grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. As always, I think that we better know the definition of gentleness. I would say that everybody here has their own idea about what gentleness is. Can somebody tell me what they think gentleness is? What is being gentle? Anybody? Being compassionate. Very good. What else? Oh, one at a time. Patient, being patient. Being kind. What else? Being understanding. Somebody back there? Being what? Being good would certainly be an attribute of gentleness. Uh, all those are true. Um, what would be the opposite of being gentle? Titus? Say it again. Being hurtful, causing pain? Sure. What's the opposite of being gentle? Harshness. Very good. What else? Anybody? Being angry? Sure. Sure. Here's how the English dictionary defines gentleness. The act of being considerate, kindly in disposition, not harsh, severe, or violent. But what we need to remember is that the Bible was not written in English at first. It was written in the Greek language, and that language defines gentleness as meekness or power under control. So our idea of gentleness may not be what the original author meant for gentleness to, to mean. We need to know that gentleness is meekness and means power under control. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, one illustration might be water that's under control. If you take water and you force it through the Wheeler Dam hydro plant, it will turn those turbines cause something good for you and I, namely electricity. That's water under control. Now, contrary to that, water out of control would be if the Tennessee River flooded and basically destroyed everything in its path. 
So you have under control and out of control. Uh, another example, think of a disease. A disease that's out of control can devastate the body. It can devastate a whole population of a village. Uh, it can kill its victim. But a disease that's under control can actually create vaccines that make us more healthy. Um, how many of you have ever had the flu shot? Do you know what they're doing when they give you a flu shot? Correct me if I'm wrong, Jada. Are they not injecting you with the flu? They're, say it again. It's, it's a dead virus. They're injecting you with the dead flu virus. Um, I just saw this advertisement on television last night for Botox. Now, I'm not going to make you raise your hand and tell me if you know what Botox means. Um, but Botox, correct me if I'm wrong, sis, is the, um, what's the name of that? Botulism, right? That's the name of the disease. Botulism is a disease uh, that can kill you. But many people use it to get rid of wrinkles, but I also found that they're using Botox now to get rid of headaches. Amen? So they're, they're actually injecting you with these uh, diseases in order to help you. So those are diseases that are under control rather than out of control. So as we think about gentleness this morning, I want you to think about power under control. I want you to think about your anger under control. I want you to think about your emotions, because emotions are strong. Emotions can be very powerful. Think about your emotions under control, but whatever you think, whenever you think about gentleness, even though gentleness is meekness, never confuse meekness with weakness. Gentleness is not without power. It's not without strength. It is God's power under control in your life. It is power under God's control. Biblical meekness is a heart that surrendered to God. Biblical gentleness is one who has a teachable spirit, one who has gentle strength. So a great definition then that we're going to use this morning is that gentleness is power under God's control. Amen? Now, there are two requirements for the, the biblical gentle person. And that is, first of all, we need to realize that only God's grace can bring us the kind of gentleness that God is talking about here. Uh, it's not natural for me to be gentle. It's not natural for me to be weak, or meek, rather. Uh, John Maxwell says that the flesh, that is my sinful nature, uh, from early on is grabby, it's greedy, it's a climb the ladder, knock somebody else off the rung kind of mindset. All right? It's not natural. And that being the case, the Spirit of God is the only one who can help you or I to become biblically gentle and be, to be able to bless other people with this wonderful fruit. Now, there's a second requirement to becoming a biblically gentle person, and that is we have to realize that being gentle requires a deliberate decision. Like anything in the kingdom of God, you have got to deliberately decide that that's something you want and that you're going to do. Uh, we must intentionally choose to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ and allow his life to be lived through us. We must choose 
to allow ourselves to be God-controlled. And you're going to hear a lot about that today, being God-controlled. Now, I'd like to share with you five features of what a biblically gentle person looks like. And I'm going to use the word power, P-O-W-E-R. And I'm going to share with you what it looks like to be a biblically gentle person. First, the letter P, your personality. Your personality under God's control. A gentle person takes the unique personality that God has given him and places that, that personality under God's control. Let's God use it the way he wants it to use it. Uh, some people want to control everything. Do you know anybody like that? I know somebody like that, but I ain't telling you. Uh, some people want to control everything. Some people are very judgmental. Know anybody like that? Huh? Um, some people say, well, you know what? It's, I'm going to be me. What you see is what you get, so you deal with it. Right? But that's not a biblically gentle person. Some people are critical. Some people are always agreeable. Know anybody that's agreeable? Amen? Uh, some people are very stubborn. I bet you know a few of those. Some, who? I thought somebody was giving a name. I was getting ready to be, be keen on that. Uh, some people are stubborn. Some people are very emotional. Some people are introverted, while others are very extroverted. But no matter what personality you have, get this. No matter what personality you have, you don't really have to change it. Okay? You don't really have to change your personality. You just have to place your personality under God's control. Let him use it. Let him do what he wants to do with your personality. Now let's go to O. O stands for outlook. Your outlook or your perspective under God's control. Gentle people place their outlook under God's control. Uh, Philippians 2.4 says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. This book teaches believers and disciples to be others-focused. How many of you know that this life you're living ain't all about you? Raise your hand. This life you're living is not all about you. Your outlook needs to be God-controlled. Um, when we start doing things for the benefit of others, then they get the benefit of our relationship with God. We need to be others-focused. Verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's perhaps the biggest goal of discipleship is making our mind like Jesus' mind, doing things with the same motive and for the same reasons. Um, the first thing that I must do in order to become biblically gentle is that I need to put aside Bill Barlow's interests. I need to put aside Bill Barlow's desires. Then I need to begin being others-focused. That's placing my outlook under God's control. Let me give you the W, P-O-W. The W stands for words, words under God's control. 
gentle people place their words under the control of God. How many of you know that your words have great, great power? Amen? They have great, great power. You know, it's not the things that go in one ear and out the other that cause so much trouble. It's the words that go in this ear, get all mixed up, and then come out this hole that cause trouble. Amen? Our words can cause problems. But Ephesians 4.29 teaches us that we need to watch the way we talk. We need to watch the words we use. We need to be cautious of what we say. Let nothing dirty, let nothing foul come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. For each word ought to be a gift. We need to be very conscious of what we say. The half-brother of our Lord, James, uh, wrote that we cannot tame our tongues in our own strength, but we can sure do it under God's strength. When we place our words under the control of God, when we submit our words to God and allow Him to uh, use those words, then great things can happen. But the submission part is where we have great difficulty. Submitting our language, submitting our words to God. That's the hard part. So we've got our personality under God's control, our outlook under God's control, and our words under God's control. Look at the E. The E is our expectations under God's control. Let me ask you a good question. Somebody really makes you mad. Anybody here ever been really made mad? Huh? Amen? Somebody really disappoints you, and we've all been disappointed, we've all been made mad at one time or another. When that happens, are you gentle or are you judgmental? Don't answer that question. Ephesians 4.2 says, be humble and gentle. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love. You know, if Christianity is anything at all, if it's anything at all, it's not people who are always being perfect. Do you realize that? Christians are not always perfect. It's not always people being perfect, but people who want to be holy. People who desire to do what God wants. Christianity is people who are willing to let God's grace cover up all of our messes. Amen? You ever made some messes in your life? I've made some messes in my life. It's people who are willing to forgive others just as we have been forgiving. I'd love to say that I've got all the fruit of the Spirit working in my life today. But then I'd be lying. So I can't tell you that. I wish that I had all the fruit working perfectly in my life today. There are areas of my life where I'm falling a little short. There are some fruit of the Spirit in my life that are not blossoming and, and providing uh, blessings for other people. But I found that if I'll ask Him, if I'll ask God and truly desire for change, He always is willing to provide. So let us make sure that not only is our personality and our outlook and our words and our expectations are under God's control, but finally the R is our responses. 
need to be under God's control. Gentle people place their responses under God's control. See, gentle people think proactively, not reactively. They think proactively, not reactively. The proactive person typically is a very self-controlled person, while the reactive person is others-controlled. Now, there's a difference between being others-controlled and others-focused. A big difference. Uh, anybody ever said this before? You make me so mad! Only two of us, Richard? Three? Ain't four? Amen. I've said it. You make me so mad! Or, you upset me so much! But you know what that is? That means that another person is controlling me. That I'm being a reactive person. Somebody has made me angry and they make me so mad. And so my whole attitude, my words, my demeanor, everything about me changes and I become this, set, this others controlled type of person. Uh, Proverbs 15.4 says this, Gentle words bring life and health, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. How do you respond when somebody verbally attacks you? How do you respond when somebody verbally uh, speaks to you verbally negatively? How do you respond to that? I think we need to be more proactive in our thinking. We need to be proactive about what we're going to say and how we're going to respond. Here's the rule of thumb for you. Seek to understand, then be understood. You know, when, whenever somebody comes at me with a bunch of negative words, whenever somebody comes at me with a bunch of uh, horrible assault, verbal assaults, what I need to try to do is wonder what in the world is going on in that person's life that is making them talk to me this way. Are they just having a bad day? Maybe somebody's speaking to them that way. Maybe they're just venting. Maybe they're angry. Perhaps they're hurting. Maybe I need to seek to understand them first. Then I can help or I can strive to be understood by the way I feel. So what is gentleness? It's placing our personality, our outlook, our words, our expectations, and our responses under God's control. That's all good, Brother Bill, but I need to know how to get it. How do I cultivate biblical gentleness? How do I cultivate this fruit of gentleness? Well, I mentioned before that most of us, uh, gentleness don't come easy. That gentleness is not natural. It doesn't come naturally. So we really need the, the Spirit of God to work in us nat supernaturally in order to develop this beautiful fruit. So how do I do it? Well, here's three things for you to help you cultivate this fruit of gentleness. The first one is kind of obvious, really. We need to submit to the will of God. If I want to be biblically gentle, if I want to have power under control, then I need to submit to his control. Um, it's where it's all got to begin. We start there. If you're going to be gentle, you must surrender to the power of God. Because if you can't surrender your power to him, you're going to have trouble. 
Because you're going to be in your own power. That means your own control. And then the next step is you're going to be out of control. So we need to submit to the will of God. Now, Jesus was a fantastic example of gentleness. Being submissive to the Father's will. You remember the, the scene back in the Garden of Gethsemane? Uh, Jesus went away three times to pray while his buddies slept. And he prayed to the Father. He said, Oh, my Father, if this cup of suffering can pass, let it. If it cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Submissive to the Father's will. The perfect picture of submissiveness is he who being in the form of God, made of himself no reputation, took the form of a bondservant, came in the likeness of a man, humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. What a beautiful picture of submissiveness. Make no mistake that being biblically gentle, being uh, submissive to God requires obedience. Here's a second one for you. A second feature, a second way to cultivate gentleness. And that is this. Why don't you have a teachable spirit? You ever met a know-it-all before? Man, they know it all. You might as well not teach them. They don't have a teachable spirit. If we don't have a teachable spirit, then you're not going to be able to receive the instruction that God knows you need to be gentle like Jesus. You can't know it all. If you think you know it all already, then you're never going to grow. And if you don't grow, then you're never going to be the gentle person that God wants you to be. James said this. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. For some of us, that's an awfully tall order. To get rid of it. To get rid of all the filth and evil and humbly accept the message that God has planted in your lives. we got to be willing to learn. We must have this teachable spirit. We must be willing to grow. But there are just too many people who are more concerned with being right than actually knowing the truth or possessing the truth. So we have to have this teachable spirit in order to cultivate gentleness. Here's the third one for you. We must also be considerate of others. I already said that we need to learn to be others-focused. Ephesians 4, Paul encourages us to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. Walk worthy, friends. Walk worthy of the calling with which God called you. Walk worthy of that calling. And listen to how he says to walk worthy of that calling. With all lowliness and gentleness, get this, bearing with one another in love. We need to be considerate of others' feelings. We need to be willing to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes for a change. We need to be willing to identify with the struggles of others. How many of you know that this life you're living is not all about you? You've heard that before, haven't you? It's about others. Our walk with Jesus is simply not worthy if we're not bearing with one another in love and walking focused on others. This whole book is about people. The lives 
of people being changed by the grace of God. And we discussed this in our Sunday school class, that you are the tools. You are the instruments that God uses to cause that change. That you are the channels by which God blesses others. You are the conduit through which God's blessings go to others. But if you're so busy focused on yourself, others will never get the benefit of your relationship with God. Be considerate of others. Now, I want to share with you in closing some recipes. Amen? I'm going to share some recipes with you. Recipes that need this fruit of gentleness. When you're cooking, uh, certain recipes need certain ingredients. Am I right? Come on, ladies, help me out. All right? When you're cooking, you've got to have some stuff. Here are some areas where gentleness is a required ingredient. Areas of your life that if you're not a gentle person, then it's not going to be a very successful relationship. The first one is this. Be gentle when you're helping a struggling brother or sister. Boy, it's so easy to be judgmental when you're helping a struggling brother or sister. But listen to what the Word says. Galatians 6.1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path again. If you're going to help a struggling brother or sister, then do it gently. The second one is this. Be gentle when you're exhibiting Forgiveness. How many of you need forgiveness today? Man, I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness today. Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies and kindness and humility, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. I'm so thankful that you bear with me, amen? Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Be gentle when you are exhibiting forgiveness. Here's the third one for you. Be gentle when you are instructing other people. You got that know-it-all that's not gentle. Who wants to hear from him? He thinks he knows it all. Listen to what the Bible says, 2 Timothy 2.25. The servant of the Lord should gently teach. Gently teach those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change their, those people's hearts and they will believe the truth. But the sense I get is if you don't do it gently, then you might as well hang it up. They're not going to learn from you. Here's another one. Be gentle in the marriage relationship. That ought to speak to you. Be gentle in the marriage relationship. I believe that both husbands and wives ought to be known from that, for that beauty that comes from within. That unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. A gentle spirit. 
Be gentle in your Christian life. In the workplace, with your friends, your friends and your recreation, be gentle in your Christian life. James said, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in the gentleness of wisdom. And finally, be gentle when you're witnessing for the Lord Jesus. Peter encourages every Christian to set apart Christ as the Lord of our lives. Always being ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for the reason you have for your hope. With gentleness and reverence. Man, the fruit of gentleness is certainly a good fruit. May not look so good on the outside, but man, it's good fruit. It's a good fruit, and it's always in season, and it will always be a blessing to others if you just take a bite every now and then. Amen? If you'll just take a bite, if you'll possess it, but you cannot possess it in and of yourself. You have to submit to the will of God. You have to submit to the Spirit of God and allow Him to manifest gentleness in your life. Only absolute surrender. That's the only way you're going to be a biblically gentle person. That fruit of gentleness. Man, it makes all the recipes of life taste good. Amen? Being gentle with one another in every relationship, whether it be the marriage relationship, the friendship, the, 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 the brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, all of those relationships desperately need gentleness. But what about outside these walls? You know, it's a harsh world out there. It can be a downright cold world out there. Somehow, some way, humanity has got to see that Jesus makes the difference. Somehow, some way, those people out there have got to see that Jesus makes the difference. And God has chosen one instrument to do that with. You. Will you show that harsh and cold world out there that Jesus makes the difference? You know, the problem that we have is we find it difficult to show others that he's made a difference because he hasn't made a difference here yet. Has he made a difference in your life? Has he made a noticeable difference in your life that affects everyone around you? Your spouse? Your kids? Your coworkers? Your friends? So many times, we haven't made a difference in our sphere of influence because Jesus hadn't made a difference here. So that's my question for you this morning. Has Jesus made a difference? Is that difference being manifest in the life you live? I can't answer that question for you. Your husband or wife can't answer that question for you. A brother or sister in Christ can't answer that question for you. Only you 
can answer that question for you. But God knows the difference already. Has Jesus made a difference in you? Have you found that Jesus can make a difference now and when I leave this planet? God wants to make a difference through you. But it requires this fruit of gentleness. He wants to make a difference through you. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The words of your Savior. Has Jesus made a difference in you? One way that we know is by having our lives under the control of God. From our personality, our perspective, our language, our expectations, the way we respond. In your life, are all those things under the control of God? Or does that sin nature often lift its ugly head Jesus made a difference in you. Father in heaven, the reason you sent your only begotten Son was not only that we would not perish, but have everlasting life through believing in Him, but that also you would make a difference in us and make a difference in others as you work through us. But Lord, if we never taste the fruit, just because it looks too hard, it looks too difficult, it looks too mushy, it looks too weak, if we never try the fruit and we allow your power to be manifest through us, then we're not going to change. And nobody else is going to change either through us. My prayer this morning is for every one of my brothers and sisters here today to ask themselves this question. In all reality, in all honesty, has Jesus made a difference in me? And furthermore, is Jesus making a difference in others through me? Father, we can't make a single disciple until we become one ourselves. I pray that we would consume this fruit of gentleness. We would make it a vital part of who we are. And that, Lord, every single part of who we are submits to the power of God. That we are under your control. That we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And this life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith 
in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Father, if there's a person here today that has a real problem in this department, Lord, let them know that today is a great day to become biblically gentle. Father, if there's a person here who doesn't have a clue what I'm saying because they don't have a relationship with you that comes through Christ, Lord, let them know that that relationship is waiting them with open arms. And you are waiting just as you waited for the prodigal son to receive that sinner and save them and grant them eternal life and be an influence in their life now as well as later. The decision time belongs to you, Lord. Speak to everyone in this room and make the changes we need to make for your glory. In the name above all names, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus is his name. We pray it all. And God's people said,